Praise the Lord. Welcome to Cross Time with Pastor Curtis here on a beautiful Friday morning in Queen City, Texas, here in our studio at Crossway Church. Glad to be with you. Grab your Bibles. Let's gather around the best thing on the planet being the Word of God. And let's dig into 1 Peter chapter 1 is where we are today. So while you're getting your Bibles and your pencil and your paper, getting ready for a great uh, Bible study, uh, let me just remind you that our website is thecrosswaychurch.com. You can go there and find all sorts of preaching CDs and sets and, and uh, commentaries that have been written there for you to help you understand the Word of God more in the light of the context in which it was written, which was God's righteousness, which can only be seen, experienced, obtained through one's faith in the sacrifice of Christ. And that is what the whole Bible really is about from Genesis to Revelation. It's about God's plan for a righteous people uh, that can only come through the blood of the Lamb, which is His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just, I'm excited always to be sharing God's Word with God's people. And uh, I know that time is short. The devil knows time is short, uh, that his time is short. And we know we're about to leave uh, this place and we're about to go home and be with our husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. So until then, we're going to keep learning and truth and walking in truth and, 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 and having more than words to say, but we're going to have lives that express the Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't mean we don't take a stand against false doctrine. Doesn't mean we don't bring correction in anywhere it's needed. But 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 it does mean that, that, that we love each other and that we're gracious to one another and <clears throat> that we're merciful to each other. And again, that doesn't mean that we, we don't stand in the one avenue that God has called us to stand and that being in the liberty wherewith Christ made us free. And that is faith in the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just say something that's pretty profound before we dig into our Bible study today that most Christians... Uh, and I do mean that, and I don't mean it in an ugly way to make it sound like we know everything. We know very little today, but but we do we do know uh, some some uh, you know a couple of things, and 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 we nobody knows everything, but but we are to be thankful for what we do know, and we are to share uh, that which that which we're learning, and so. Uh, this what I want to mention before we dig into the Word of God today is, do you know that to be being conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that those God foreknew who would be found walking, well, let's just, just get it right out. In Romans chapter 8, the Bible says God foreknew those that are called according to his purpose those that would be conformed into the image of his son Romans 8 and 29 and Philippians chapter 3 verse 10 brings the clarity and the focus of that so that we don't all just go our different directions and different imaginations because we're all supposed to have the same mind and be of the same spirit striving together for the same faith of the same gospel and so Paul brings it into a greater focus and clarity by the power of the Holy Spirit when he writes in Philippians 3.10 that our being conformed into the image of the Son of God is our being made conformable unto his death. That's, that's, that's unheard of. We read it, and, and you, even, if, even if a minister uh, passes over it and makes comment about it, it really needs to be a massive a huge focus because that is what we are being made conformable to. Not the resurrection of Christ, the death of Christ. In this life, on this journey, yes, we have resurrection power, but it is mainly, its main purpose is to live the crucified life, to present ourselves daily a living sacrifice it is we are being made conformable unto the death of christ because 
the death of Christ, the death of the Lamb of God, is what God saw before the foundation of the world, the Lamb was slain, and there God saw what he would conform everyone that believed upon him through his Son into. It, that's what he would con that it, that's why we need to be learning how beautiful the picture of what God saw at Calvary really is. Not just a bloody, gory mess, but the, the outpouring of his soul, the Bible says, that was offered. That, that he, instead of reviling and threatening those that were crucifying him, he, he committed himself to the one who judges righteously. That, that is what God saw the beauty of this new creation. And it's the only thing that we can be beholding called the glory of the Lord in 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. It's the only thing we can be beholding that God has said as we behold it, we can go from glory to glory as we're changed into that same glorious image by the Spirit of the Lord. You really need to write down Romans chapter 8, verse 29, and Philippians chapter 3, verse 10, and 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And you need to allow the Holy Spirit to show you the marvelous beauty and wonders of what he wants you to see. And that leads us right to where we are this morning in this 18th verse of 1 Peter chapter 1. I know the Lord is going to offer us great truth today. Impartable truth. Not just knowledge, not just something that sounds good that we say, wow, that was nice, but something that he can impart. When the Lord is able to impart truth, then truth is then having an effect on us. And remember, if you missed yesterday's Hebrews teaching, please go listen to it. You'll learn some great things. When faith comes by hearing the word, if by faith we keep the word and allow the word to bring forth fruit with patience, then we're experiencing the will of the word that came. The will of God that sent the word and we keep the word with patience and it brings forth fruit that glorifies our heavenly father. So it's important what you know. Jesus, uh, uh, Brother Peyton Harris and I were uh, communicating yesterday back and forth about uh, what Jesus taught about. Take heed not only what you hear, but how you hear. And those are important things because it's in the context of what Jesus taught there in those statements is he who has, and he's talking about hearing, more will be given. And when you think about that, you think about the Galatian church who were saved and filled with the Holy Ghost. They had the fruit of the Spirit. They had the gifts of the Spirit operating among them until until they move the object of their faith <coughs> from the sacrifice of Christ to other things like circumcision or whatever else. There's thousands of things today for us to move our faith from the cross to. And when they did that, they fell from grace. What's the issue here? They were no longer hearing properly. What they were hearing was wrong. How they were hearing was wrong. Therefore, more hearing of faith could not be given to them. More hearing is only more hearing of the faith that comes through the object of Calvary. That's how we hear as being crucified with him, buried, and yet raised to newness of life and ascended with him, seated with him at the right hand of the Father. But it's all based on Calvary and what we're doing now, moment by moment with Calvary. 
It's not based on what we're doing with the resurrection or our ascendancy with Christ. It, all that's based on what we know. All that's based on the experience of our Christianity is based on what we know, understand, believe, and lay hold of concerning the cross of Jesus Christ. So that puts us right where we are today in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. The first word of this verse is a word that's probably rarely looked at, rarely talked about. And, and we read it, and in the subconscious of our minds, we, we know what it means, but we never stop and really look, really look at it. And we're going to this morning. And that first word is for as much as you know. For as much. The first word there is for as much. That's really three words, for as much. But the first few words there says, for as much as you know. You can only function and operate by faith in as much as you know and believe. Do you, do you understand that? You, you're not, you know, some people say, well, you know, we, get, we experience things like healing or other things that before we ever knew that, 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 you know, the Lord would heal us or anything. The Lord heals lost people. The Lord is kind, the Bible says in Luke, to the unkind and the evil. The Lord feeds the buzzards and the snakes. The Lord takes care of all the world. The Lord lets the sun shine on the evil and the just. It rains on the evil and the just. We're talking this morning about why this letter was written and to whom it was written, which is us, children of God, for the purpose of expressing Christ through an experience of Christ. And that only happens to the degree for as much as we know. This is why the Holy Spirit wrote through Paul when he wrote to Timothy and said, study to show yourself approved unto God. Well, that verse doesn't mean that we're trying to work our way to an approval with God. It means exactly what it says. He approved us through our faith in the blood of Jesus. Now, <clears throat> we are to study the word of God so faith can keep coming and we, the just, live by faith and we show ourselves that we are approved unto God, not just initially approved and made righteous in Christ at the born-again experience, but that daily, moment by moment, when I say moment by moment, I'm not saying that, that it happens for all of us moment by moment. I'm talking about striving for a moment by moment. I'm talking about excuses, I'll see you later. Excuses, I'll see you later. I'm talking about striving, learning to strive my own self for the faith of the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1.27, striving, I'll get to it, <clears throat> striving myself for the faith of the gospel. And if I'll be found striving for the faith of the gospel, then what that verse, uh, Philippians 1 and 27, really says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. But I myself have to determine that's what I'm striving for so that I can strive to be experiencing Christ, to express Christ moment by moment. I want you to know that's what the Lord wants for you. He doesn't want you to go to church on Sunday. And, and, and well, he wants you to go to church on Sunday, but he doesn't want you to think that just while you're at church, and you feel the way you feel or, or Wednesday night or in a prayer meeting or a Bible study. The Lord wants us to live. The just shall live moment by moment trusting in the death of Jesus because what he offers to us in experience daily so that our experience can be turned into expression is all determined for as much as you know. Let's read this today 
in 1 Peter, it's already been wonderful to me. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18. For as much as you know, that word doesn't mean know in your head. That means for as much as you know, that much you're going to experience. For as much as you know, to that degree, you're going to be focused. To that degree, you're going to experience. And to that degree, you're only going to be able, to that degree, be able to express. You can't experience what you don't know, and you can't express what you're not experiencing. But do we need to say that again this morning? We can't experience what we don't know. And we can't express what we're not experiencing. That's powerful. Maybe you need to write it down. Maybe you need to look at it a few times today so that you can really get to a point today where you say, oh, wow, Lord, I want to know you more because I want to experience you more because I want to express you more because that is why I'm here. That is why we're here, hallelujah. I want to know you that I might know him to be able to experience him, that I might express him for that is why I am here and all his people are here. Yes, we have missions. We have specific things we're called to do and carry out by the Spirit of God. But none of it rises above knowing him, experiencing him, expressing him, because we realize all things are of him, through him, to him, unto his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb, glory. So let's move on through this this morning a little bit. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, that means aimless conduct, <clears throat> received by tradition, from your fathers. Think about that. For as much as you know, only to the degree that you know, that you were not redeemed with things as silver and gold. Can I say to you today that a big part of the church, my wife and I, came out of a local church who they would never admit it, but their focus is financial gain. Their focus is the blessings of God and not God. I don't know about today, but 20 years ago, almost, when we came out of that, whatever that was called, the focus was not the gospel. We were not striving together for the faith of the gospel. We were into the money cometh, and if your faith was right, you wouldn't be broke and blah, 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 blah. That's a blah, 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 blah. That's what God calls it. Blah, 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 blah. It, 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 it's just because they don't know except a little bit. It's only as much as you know that you're going to be able to really begin to see. If you're growing in your knowledge of Christ, if you're learning Christ, if you're not learning, oh, we spend years about the prophetic. We spend years about the apostolic because we want to be prophetic. We want to be apostolic. Oh, we spend years about the, 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 the five-fold ministry and while Christ is on, knocking on the door to get back in, that we claim he's in the midst of it all. But let me tell you something about the church of Sardis mentioned in Revelation 3. They had no idea they were rocking along without Christ. It's, a, <coughs> it's amazing today that 
as much deception as the Bible says would be in the last days. People waxing cold from, from love, being seduced by doctrines of devils, falling away from the faith, yet no church thinks that's them. No local church in the world thinks that's them. And I'm telling you, either the Bible is wrong or we're wrong. And I know which way I'm going. I know which way I'm going. I can be wrong, I have been wrong, and I could be wrong again. And the only thing that I have to hold me steady is the Word of God in the light of the Lamb of God for every step, moment by moment, that I strive to experience and express my Lord. I'm not going to focus on money. I'm not going to focus on the prophetic and the apostolic. I'm not going to focus on faith. I'm not going to focus on anything but where my focus came from, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ when I believed upon him. I received my sight when I said, I believe Jesus died for my sins. I accept him as my Lord and Savior. I believe God raised him from the dead on the third day, and I begin to walk because I begin to see I'm not going to focus on all the things that's out. I have already been out there. And when we start focusing on those things, we, we lose our eyesight. Because our eyesight, listen to me very carefully, our eyesight was to look unto Jesus, to look upon Jesus every step of the way. Not say we are and then look at everything else. We're to look upon him as the slain, buried, and resurrected lamb, but mainly the slain lamb, because that is our example through this life, to present our bodies a living sacrifice, to reckon ourselves daily to be dead indeed to the sin nature and alive to God through Christ Jesus, to realize that we are dead a good dead, dead with Christ and hidden in God with him. Hallelujah. Our focus, God's bringing his people, those he's going to pour oil into their lamps. Hallelujah. He's bringing them back to the oil-bearing place, the oil-receiving place, which is Calvary. Hallelujah to the Lamb. So watch now. For as much as you know, that you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers. And let me read you something this morning from back in Exodus. Even under the old covenant, God required the Israelites, his people, to bring a certain amount of money, so many shekels when they would offer the sacrifice to help pay for the, the sacrifices that were required for the covering of their sins. And I want to read it to you. And I'm reading this because this is no longer the case. This is no longer the case. All that happened because they were under law. And the animal blood was never sufficient to take away sin. Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, God says, I was never pleased with the blood of animals. It only pointed to and represented the only thing that pleases me, and that is the faith of my son and what he did through the shedding of his blood on Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. So, as we read this back in Exodus chapter 30, I'm just letting you know uh, that, 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 that th th these vain traditions that we see here mentioned, these, these vain uh, traditions from our fathers that where even money was involved. Let's go back and read this this morning, Exodus 30, verses 12 through 16. And, and, and these things back then had a great representation and a great, a great finger of pointing to Calvary. Even the, the, the animals, uh, the, the Levites, the, the, even the shekels, get all of that. Jesus said, 
The scriptures testify of him. He is the living word of God. So when we read the old covenant, we've got to be looking for what and who? Jesus and what he would do on Calvary's cross. Hallelujah. Watch this now, Exodus 30 and 12. When you take the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shall they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord when you number them that there be no plague among them. When you number them, this they shall give everyone that passes among them that are numbered half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is 20 garahs, and half shekel shall be the offering of the Lord. Everyone that passes among them that are numbered from 20 years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall not give more, and the poor shall not give less than half a shekel. When they give an offering unto the Lord to make an atonement for your souls, and you shall take the atonement money of the children of Israel and shall appoint it for the service of the tabernacle of the congregation, that it may be a memorial, a memorial. This proves that this has nothing to do with new covenant, the way of the new covenant. That it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord to make an atonement for your souls. So we, we know that Jesus has come and his blood alone, not silver and gold, his blood alone has atoned for all the souls of men. Even those back under the old covenant, when they died, they didn't get to go to heaven because all that they did in animal blood can't take away sin. Do you realize that not one person under the old covenant ever had a cleansed conscience? Not one. It took the perfect spotless blood of Jesus without blemish to be able to clean our conscience from dead works, from sin. It took his blood. They couldn't even go to heaven. They had to go to paradise and wait for him to come so he could shed his blood, offer his soul as an offering to God, lay down his life, and then he could go get them <coughs> because he's the only ransom God has ever had. God talked in the old covenant about a, a ransom for your souls and uh, being, uh, you know, when you come and bring a sacrifice and you bring this certain amount of shekel for the poor and the rich, you don't mind, the same for everybody, which is symbolic of Jesus being the same for everybody. Don't matter if you're rich or you're poor, Jesus is the only way in through the door. Hallelujah. Poet and didn't know it. Don't matter if you're rich or poor, Jesus is the only way through the door. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. So let's get more into this today. For as much as you know, only as much as you know, that you were not redeemed with corruptible things of silver and gold from your vain <coughs> conversation received by traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ. Somebody said amen, hallelujah. But with the precious, that means one of a kind. Precious means one of a kind. The precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, get this now, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Now, if you're just reading past this, uh, reading through this, <coughs> excuse me, real quickly, you'll, you'll not really uh, notice, but there is a difference between the word blemish and spot. And I, I love to take the time to dig into these words, and I pray that the Lord would stir your heart to do the same, to look into words. And yes, you do have the need to, by the way, because for as much as you know, and you won't know as much unless you start digging, hallelujah, and with that hungry heart. See, a hungry heart is a digging heart, digging in the Word of God. 
Oh, God says his fruit is better than all the silver and the gold. His fruit is better. And a hungry heart is a digging and a searching heart for more of our Lord. Hallelujah. Watch this now. But with the precious blood of Christ <coughs> as of a lamb without blemish. He says as of a lamb. Jesus was a man. Jesus is a man. Jesus never took the, on the form of an animal lamb. That is a type of a substitute of an innocent sacrifice. But he is by his father and by his people called the lamb of God, the lamb that was offered for the sins of the world. Let me just say that again. Jesus is not an animal. He is God that became a man, and the Bible there says, as of a lamb, as like a lamb, he was without blemish and without spot. And and, and let me say this, I, I heard this somewhere recently. It might have been in uh, Pastor Preston Nasal's book. It might have been in that book, his Precious Blood book. If you hadn't read that book, you, you need to get a hold of Pastor Preston Nasal and order that book and read that book and you'd be greatly encouraged and blessed because if you read it, you're going to know more and everything for us as God's people is based on for as much as we know. Hallelujah. So in this statement, I read in that book or somewhere else, but it said this. It wasn't the blood in the veins of Jesus' body that saved us. It was the blood poured out of his body on the altar, on the cross. It was his life's blood poured out. His blood, while in his body, didn't save us. It was his blood poured out on the altar. His life, his physical body's life, the blood of that physical body that he had being poured out as an atonement for our souls because he was offering his soul for our soul. When, when he laid his life down, he was offering that same life that he is to all that will believe upon him. The, earth, the eternal life that God gives us when we believe upon his eternal son is the very life of Christ. It's eternal. It's life that had no beginning and no end. Hallelujah. <clears throat> so watch this now. Leviticus 17, 11 says, for the life of the flesh is in the blood and I've given it to you upon the altar. Upon the altar. See, the Israelites couldn't say, well, my, 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 my lamb over here, you know, it's got blood. It's got blood in it. And I'm just going to say that blood right there is covering my sin. No, that blood had to be shed. That life had to be given. And that blood had to be put on the altar. And that was all symbolic of Christ. And the Lord said, let me read this again. If you hadn't ever marked this in your Bible, you need to. Leviticus 17, 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. For I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. Hallelujah. So let's look at the difference now between the word blemish and the word spot, because they are just as a, as a, as a passing by moment, we can glance at, well, a blemish on something is a spot on something. But they do have a little different meaning. And let's look at what that is, because for as much as you know, the more you know, that means the more you're hearing. And Jesus taught, the more you have hearing of faith, the more you will be given. And that's what I want. I want more hearing, not just hearing, but the hearing of faith. The hearing of the very action. The hearing that turns into action. See, faith is a verb. Faith is an action word. 
And the hearing of faith is the hearing of what will turn into obedience of what I'm hearing. My goodness, that's good. The hearing of faith is the experience of hearing the word of God that turns into the expression of the will of God, the expression of my Savior working in and through me by his spirit. My goodness, that's good. Whoo! When faith comes, it comes by hearing, and hearing, the hearing of faith is the hearing and the acceptance and the keeping of what I'm hearing to the point where <coughs> by patience it's bearing fruit. All hearing is not the hearing of faith, and Galatians chapter 3 proves what is required for it to be the hearing of faith, and that is the object of Calvary's cross, Christ's cross, Christ and his death. Without that is the object of my faith, I might be hearing, but it's not the hearing of faith because it must be the hearing of the faith of the Son of God that loved me and gave himself for me. That's the faith that we live by, Galatians 2.20. See, sound doctrine is very important. What you're hearing and how you're hearing it is very important. You must be hearing truth that points to Calvary, and you must be hearing it from a heart that's trusting in Calvary's cross, Christ. You're not trusting in Christ unless you're trusting in what he did at Calvary. That's the only object of faith God has offered all of humanity, lost or saved, is the cross, the death of Jesus Christ. Remember, that's what we're being made conformable to as we behold that glory. We're being conformed or changed into that glorious image. Don't tell me God's ever seen among men a more glorious image than what his son did as the lamb on Calvary's cross. Don't even try to bring that to the table. It won't work. And that glorious image we're being changed into by the Spirit of the Lord, and only in that process, and we get to behold that. Only in that process are we going from glory to glory. It ain't from shout to shout in a praise and worship service. That's all good and great, and I love it, but we're not going from faith to faith and glory to glory unless we're beholding that glorious image that we're being made conformable to by the Spirit of the Lord. See, this right here alone, this teaching right here alone is what not, not some of the church, but all of the church needs to be seeing, hearing, laying hold to. Because nobody's going from glory to glory or faith to faith unless the righteousness of God is being revealed in the gospel to them. Romans 1, 16, 17. You can tie that right in with 2 Corinthians 3.18, it's a powerful teaching. And just because the people today don't want to hear it, or just because this teaching doesn't bring the funds into the church, doesn't mean we're going to stop. Doesn't mean we're going to stop. We might lose everything we got, but we're going to be somewhere teaching this truth. There's only one avenue of the hearing of faith, and it doesn't happen because you had it one time, it happens because in the, this moment and the next moment, as we go step by step, moment by moment, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, only as we're beholding that glorious image that we're being made conformable to. So a blemish back, y'all keep distracting me now. So, so, <clears throat> Watch this. The difference between a blemish and a spot. I mean, we, we don't think there's very much difference. I, well, I got a spot on. Oh, who put that blemish on your shirt? They're different. Watch what it is. Some of you have already dug down into it. I know you have. But the word blemish <clears throat> actually means without blame. The word spot means without defilement. So there is a difference. <coughs> blemish 
is concerning blame, to be blamed for something, and spot is to have a defilement. Like in Revelation chapter 3, when the Holy Spirit through John uh, tells the church there in Sardis that there's a few among you that have not defiled their garments. That's talking about they've not allowed their garment to be spotted. That garment is the garment of righteousness. Righteousness is that which we became and that which we can bear fruit of, that which we were made servants unto, Romans chapter 6, verses 17 and 18. <clears throat> if we keep the object of our faith, the death of Jesus. The focus of our faith, the death of Jesus. That is God's focus of righteousness. Therefore, if I seek his kingdom and his righteousness, who Jesus is and what he did for me at Calvary, then he will add all these other things that I need so I don't have to focus on all these other things I think I need. I can focus on the only thing God says and knows that I really need, and through that focus, he will add everything to my life that will bring about his will. Hallelujah, that's good stuff. Glory be to God. So the, the, our garment can become defiled as the church in Sardis. They're only a few among them had kept, their, had kept their garments from being spotted. And the way a garment becomes spotted, you need to really hear this. It's not by acts of sin. It's not by acts of sin. The garment becomes spotted. The garment of righteousness becomes spotted because we're not trusting in that that washes away all the spots and all the blemishes. Yes, we're justified and our position is set. But the Lord is very much interested in our daily activities and again let's go back to what he's looking for he's looking for an inner experience of him so there can be an outer expression of him because we're growing in our realiza realization that our purpose is to be here bearing fruit representing representing him to all that we know to all that we know think about the other word that's blame. Now, we looked in Revelation 3. We didn't go there, but you can take a note. We talked about it. Sardis, the, the garments there, only a few had not defiled. Only a few had not spotted up their garment by a wrong object of faith. But let's talk about the word blame, that blemish means. So we're talking about things that Jesus had none. Jesus was never the blame for anybody committing a sin. And Jesus himself never committed a sin. He was our Lord and King of righteousness and will be forever. He was without blemish, had no blame. He could never be blamed for causing men to sin, and he had no spot, he had no defilement within him, about him, from him, at any time ever. That ought to make you shout right there, because he is, to God, our everything. And he should be, to us, our everything. Christ is God's everything among men. So he should be our everything. The Bible says Christ is all. He is all. He's God's everything, Colossians 3.11. Hope you're taking notes this morning. But <coughs> let's look at another place quickly this morning in the, in the scriptures in Galatians chapter 2 where though God will never condemn us because there's no condemnation for us who are in Christ. Now our hearts can condemn us if we're not walking after the Spirit, learning that we're being made conformable to the death of Jesus and we're found walking in the flesh. Our hearts are going to condemn us all the time. But that ain't God condemning us. 
<clears throat> excuse my Texas language, that ain't God condemning us. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean God doesn't show up to deal with us when we are uh, uh, being led by our flesh that was crucified on Calvary's cross. And when we start being uh, followers or led by our flesh, God will show up to deal with us because there's repercussions, there's consequences for being led of the Spirit that we want those consequences. There's also consequences of being led by our flesh because we won't surrender to Calvary and follow after the leading of the Spirit. There's consequences. And we can be blamed. Peter in Galatians chapter 2 is talked about by the Apostle Paul of a story Paul is telling the church in Galatia about what happened at one point in Antioch when Peter is, man, he's just enjoying his liberty and freedom with the Gentiles and he hears that some people from the church in Jerusalem is coming. So he gets up, jumps away from the Gentiles and, 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 and because the Bible says he feared, he feared men. Men will, the fear of man will move you away from the liberty you have in Christ. And if you move away from the liberty you have in Christ because you fear men, in, others are going to follow you too, no matter who you are. And the Bible says there in Galatians 2 that even Barnabas and others followed Peter into his dissimulation. That word means hypocrisy. So Paul had to tell the church in Galatia when he wrote to him this instance, and he said, Peter was to blame. He was not condemned but he was to be blamed and reprimanded and rebuked in love. And what did Paul remind him of? Not that he needed to go get filled with the Holy Ghost again. Pentecost ain't the answer, hallelujah. It's for power that Paul manifests that day by calling on Peter to repent and turn back to the way in which he could be found once again walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. That's what it's worded there in Galatians 2. Yeah, we all need to be full of the Holy Ghost, but that right there is not going to keep you from being found not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. The church in Galatia was full of the Holy Ghost. Peter was full of the Holy Ghost. And in both cases, they moved away from the hearing of faith. They moved away. And when you move away, God won't condemn you, but he will show up and deal with you. He has no option. He has no option. He won't condemn you, but he will show up and you will, you might start hearing that you're the blame for these people out there going the wrong way. Peter heard it. Peter had to deal with it. Why can't we take the, receive the correction? Why can't we receive the, receive the correction? Some people can't receive correction today. Ministers mostly can't receive correction today. Especially from somebody, uh, you know, coming from somebody who they don't think has been used by God near as much as that. Peter walked on water. Peter walked with Jesus. Peter, my Lord, Peter was there with Christ the whole time of his earthly ministry. Paul shows up after the fact, and here he is rebuking Peter. Well, I ain't listening to him. That's not what Peter did. Peter took the rebuke and returned to an upright place found only, viewed only by God, uh, as men and women, boys and girls, walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. And the focus Paul brought to Peter there in chapter 2 was, remember, we're not justified by the works of the law. What was it that moved Peter away from the Gentiles? He heard people were coming from the church in Jerusalem who were still boasting for the most part don't know about who all or how many, but for the most part, they were still boasting in the law. Why do you think Peter jumped up and got away? If, 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 if they were there in, in Jerusalem boasting in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and now we're, man, we're, we've been liberated from the law. If that was what was going on in Jerusalem, Peter wouldn't have, he would have said, 
when he heard folks were coming from the Jerusalem church, he said, good, pass the chicken legs. Hallelujah to the lamb. But he didn't. He heard folk were coming from that church who were still boasting in the law. So he was moved with fear, worried about what they would think, and jumped up and became a hypocrite. God didn't condemn him, but God, through Paul, confronted him. Can you be confronted? Can you be confronted by the Holy Spirit with the fruit and the evidence that you have changed? Your thought process, your mind process, when you hear truth, can truth redirect you from what you thought was right to actually what God is showing you by His Spirit in the Word of God now as truth so that He can change your direction? Can you be moved by the Spirit of God when you really don't want to be moved by the Spirit of God. When God shows you that people have become more important to you than truth, can you be convicted when he's trying to show you that and move you away from that? Can you be, can I be awakened by the Holy Spirit to realize that maybe I've just been following people and not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel? There's a massive move of God taking place right now. It'll always grow into a greater move of God. But the greater move of God doesn't require a big number of people. God's view of a move of God is God being able to move you. That's what a move of God is. Can God move you? Or do you have to be around a whole bunch of people that it appears God is moving and you're just doing what they're doing? God offers truth to his people to cause them to walk uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. There comes the fruit of a move of God and there comes our Heavenly Father being glorified. Glory be to God. Whoa, I love this Bible study today. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Watch now. But with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb, without blemish and without spot, without blame, without defilement, at all, perfect, perfect Lamb of God. Hallelujah. Verse 21, no, verse 20 who verily, that means truly, was foreordained before the foundation of the world, it says, but was manifest in these last times for you. That means he was revealed in these last times for you. For you. Has Christ been revealed to you? Are you born again? Are you on your way to heaven? Or do you just hope you are? Do you think you are? You have the scriptures that reveal Christ and everything you need to know to be sure that you're a child of God. You don't have to go to bed at night fearing and, well, I hope this, I hope that. And No, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 <coughs> that the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. There is an assurance and a great hope and confidence that comes with being a child of God. Especially, this is experienced if we're following after the leading of the Spirit that comes through the hearing of faith. Get that. Are you a Christian and have been for many years, but you've listened to so many things that's not helped you? You thought while you were hearing them that they were good words, they were benefiting you, they, they, you agreed with them, but when you left the Bible study or the worship service, nothing changed, nothing happened. And nothing ever did. The only application of anything God has ever spoken will be by your faith in the blood of Christ the death of Jesus, the cross. 
You get away from a focus, whether it's you individually or your ministry, you get away from a flat-out, full-blown focus of the cross of Christ. And you've lost your vision. And there is no application of the Holy Spirit, of the Word of God, into our hearts. And if there is none application of the Holy Spirit inwardly, then there can be none expression outwardly. And maybe you'd say today, well, I'm not expressing Christ very much at all. And I'm not being ugly, but that means that's because it's only for as much as you know will you be able to experience and only as much as you inwardly experience can you outwardly express. And the fruit, though it be a season for it to ripen and it to be ripe, it must be growing. And the Lord will tend to that if we keep our faith in the sacrifice. When the Bible says the that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. We need to be very careful that we notice that it is God's new covenant law. That the spirit of life is the Holy Spirit, is the spirit of grace. That's all one and the same person who is the third person of the Godhead, the one who dwells in us now. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace. When we fall from grace, that means we fall from a place of hearing properly the Spirit of grace. And when we're not hearing properly, grace, the Spirit of grace, cannot bring forth the fruit of what he's trying to get done within our hearts. And Christianity, the experience of Christianity is only going to take place as much as we know the truth of what God has written for us. This is why the Apostle Paul would say several times, especially when he wrote to the church in Rome, if not held there alone, I'm not sure, but several times to the church in Rome, he said, Know ye not? Don't you know? Why would he say that? Because it's only for as much as we know that we're going to experience inwardly and only as much as we experience inwardly are we going to express outwardly. And that, my friends, is our Christian purpose here in this world to express Christ above everything. Everything else has to take a back seat to that purpose and that will of God. If it doesn't, then we're going to suffer, not for righteousness' sake, where it'll be rewarded. We're going to suffer and struggle most, for the most part, in, in, in struggles and sufferings that is not God's will. We have to know truth. We have to know his name is Jesus. We have to know him being our truth is only applied in its liberating way if our faith is in who he is as the liberating truth did to liberate us. You see, you and I have been liberated from a path that leads to hell. We've been liberated from the powers of darkness. Oh, we still wrestle, but they have no control, no hold on us because Jesus delivered us from the enemy's hand, Luke 1, 74 and 75. But you and I, my Christian friends, are supposed to be being delivered daily from this evil thing called fleshly self Oh, you know he tries to rule every moment of the day. And that's why we must be striving every moment of the day for the faith of the gospel, 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope and pray that you've been blessed today. I hope that you'd listen to this again. Write these things down. Let the Holy Spirit soak them into your heart like a sponge. I pray that he would make you more hungry for the truth of the gospel than you have ever been in all the days of your Christianity. God bless you. I love you. I'm praying for you. I pray right now the Lord touch every one of you and bring about the provision that he is to your very needs. Don't forget to uh, tune in every Monday and Thursday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time on the Pastor Curtis Facebook page live. And later, all that we do is uploaded to the Curtis Hutchinson 316 YouTube channel. You can find it all there. And we just pray God would bless you tremendously in the days ahead as he teaches all of us how to be found walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Until I see you again, you can give if the Lord stirs your heart to bless this ministry at thecrosswaychurch.com. You can simply text the word GIVE to the number 903-231-5950. I'll see you next time. Until then, stay determined to know absolutely nothing but Christ and him crucified. We'll see you then.